Would you turn with me in the scripture to 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, please. Uh, Excuse me, 12th chapter. 1 Corinthians 12. We've been on the subject of being hungry for the Holy Spirit. Somebody say hungry. Hungry for the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians, 12th chapter. And the 31st verse. 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, But covet earnestly the best gifts, yet show I unto you a more excellent way. Covet earnestly the best gifts. What did the Lord tell us to do? Covet earnestly. The best gifts, like we were talking before, if he said ask, what should you do? You should ask and not play games with him. Just do what he said. What did he say on this? Covet earnestly. Now, that's strong words. You know, he could have used any number. He could have said, you know, desire. But he said covet and use the word earnestly. So many times uh, when you see the word covet in scripture, it's telling you don't. Don't covet your neighbor's spouse or donkey or or house or don't covet somebody else's stuff. But here he says, do covet this. Covet has to do with a strong desire, a consuming desire, a longing for. And then he says, earnestly. (laughs) Are we getting the picture? What did the Lord tell us to do? Covet Covet earnestly the best gifts. Now, this is the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, and he referred to nine gifts of the Spirit, manifestations of the Spirit. And the first verse starts off by saying, I don't want you to be ignorant about these things. And then he ends up saying, covet them earnestly. I don't want you to be ignorant of them, and I want you to covet them earnestly. And wouldn't you know, the very thing he says, covet earnestly, most of the church could care less about. Right? And the very thing that he told us not to be ignorant of, most of the church is woefully, even completely ignorant of these things. Talking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy, and word of wisdom, and word of knowledge, and discerning the spirits, and gifts of healings, and working of miracles, and special faith. I mean, most of the folk in the world today that call themselves Christians don't even believe in these. We're in the small minority. I know you may not think so, but look at the numbers. Most people... That have gone to church half their life or all their life have never heard a sermon on these. If they did hear anything about talking in tongues, it was don't. <laughs> right? If they did hear anything about any of it, they were told that it has passed away or ceased when the last apostle died or whatever. And uh, the end result is that millions know nothing about these things, so they certainly aren't 
coveting them earnestly. And I can see why the devil would work hard to make it that way. Because you're talking about something that will tear up his business. <laughs> I said, you're talking about something that will tear up the devil's playhouse. It's these things. That's a good Arkansas expression, ain't it? <laughs> Mississippi, South Missouri. No wonder the enemy would work overtime trying to keep people in the dark about these things. As I'm telling you, it's the anointing that destroys, removes burdens, and destroys yokes. And that's what these things are, are manifestations of the anointing. Well, the Lord told us, covet them earnestly. Find out about them. Don't be ignorant of them. Isn't that what he said? Well, then what should we do? We should find out about them and not be ignorant of them. And we should covet them, long for them, think about them, talk about them, pray for them, believe for them, reach for them, and rejoice when they show up, when they manifest. Go back to the first part of the chapter, 1 Corinthians 12. Let's read this again, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not... Have you ignorant? He does not want us ignorant about these things. Verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operation, but it is the same God which works all in all. Now he keeps reiterating the same thought. The Spirit of God manifests In many different ways. The Lord Jesus. The head of the church. Ministers in many different. Kinds of ministries. Doesn't he? The Lord God. Father of all. Creator of heaven and earth. He operates many different ways. Doesn't he? And we must watch. And be on our guard. About trying to put the Lord in a box or the Holy Spirit and say, well, he's only going to do it this way or this way or this way. We don't know all the ways he can do it. And we need to be open for him to do it differently than we've ever seen it or heard it done before. We need to be open. Open to new and different things. Now, it's not going to be new to him, but it'd be new to us. You know, so much... uh, Harm has been done because people in their limited knowledge try to make everybody fit in the same mold. I know, you know, for years, a little bit better now, but for years, people felt like, well, if you had a call on your life, you either had to be a pastor or an evangelist or a missionary. Right? You had to fit in one of those three. Eventually, they added a teacher, but that would have been mostly, uh, you know, Bible school teacher or maybe a seminary, whatever. And I've seen people try to make themselves fit in one of those molds and they didn't fit. I've seen people just try to do something they weren't called to and, it, and they, they were not a success. And it confused them because they thought, well, Lord, I thought you, you're calling me. You got a call on my life and I did the best I could. But actually what they were doing was intruding into an office they're not called to. Just because you're called doesn't mean you're supposed to pastor. 
Right? Just because you're called doesn't mean you're supposed to go to Africa or China. Just because you're called doesn't mean you're supposed to have evangelistic meetings. There are many, somebody say many, many ministries that the Lord Jesus, the head of the church, is over. Many. And God wants people in every area of life. He wants Holy Ghost filled, word filled, faith filled lawyers, doctors, businessmen, mechanics, grocery store owners. Come on, are you with me? Loggers, farmers. He wants people. Some of us will I felt like I got a call on my life. All of us have a call on our life. Every one of us have a call. Somebody say everyone. Every one of us have a call on our life. And the work of the ministry is not supposed to be done just by the five-fold ministry gifts, speaking gifts. The work of the ministry is supposed to be done by the entire body of Christ. Say it out loud. I'm called to make a difference. I'm called and anointed to be a witness in my place. Supernatural manifestations to bear fruit in my life. Now that's what you see in this chapter, and you'll see him twice in the next few verses say every man, every man. won't you? Yes, every man. Amen. Every man means not just so-called preachers, everybody. Everybody. Keep reading here. He said in verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Who can have these manifestations? Every believer. Every child of God. Everybody that will, you know. Of course, if you don't believe in them, it's going to be kind of hard for you to have a manifestation. But everybody that will. Verse 8. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another the gifts of healing. By the same Spirit. Let's just stop right here. There are numerous reasons why he says it this way. And this is the perfect way to say it. He, everything he does is perfect. But you know. They came out of a situation of serving multiple gods. And there was a God for this. And a goddess for that. And a God for this. And a God for that. And different manifestations was from different gods. And he keeps reemphasizing to them. Same Holy Ghost. He moving this way, and then he moved a completely different way, but not a different Holy Ghost, same Holy Spirit. And today we need to know, I mean, many different ways that God moves. And we have to watch about thinking that our culture is the best and only way that God moves. Uh, In being able to get out, you know, out of town a little bit, and even in other countries and other places, I've been in situations where something began to happen, and at first... My first natural response was, oh, I don't know about that, because I didn't say anything. I just kept my mouth shut. But I'm thinking, hmm, I don't know. But a little while into it, I realized that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Now, he's moving a little bit different way in their culture, right, and with them. But I found out he is amazingly adaptable. (laughs) He will work. With us as much as he can. 
He really will. It's amazing. And we've got to watch about thinking all our ways are his ways. A whole lot of the stuff we do is just our way. It's what we're used to. And we don't just want to go convert everybody to our way. We're not called to go into all the world and westernize folks. Or southernize them. Or Americanize them. Uh Uh-uh. Go into all the world and proclaim the good news. And God's going to move. How many believe in heaven already? And when we get there, we'll see there is amazing diversity. What are you going to see when you get there? You're going to see every tribe, every kindred, every nation, every tongue. Is that right? Now, you're all going to be family, but it's going to be differences. wonder how many different styles of music they have. (laughs) Every style. See, somebody said, every style? Yeah, every style. The devil never created anything. He just took something good and messed it up. Perverted it. It's really interesting, you know, some of the tempo and style of some of the hymns that are older to us and we think are most holy, those tempos were popular in the pubs during that time. That makes you think, now don't. (laughs) And think about, you know, we don't even know what the tempos and styles were 2,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, right? I mean, a lot of it is just, it's varied, it's changed, but you know the spirit. And if you'll be open, you can testify. Now, there's a lot of folk, even though they call it Christian music, it ain't. I just look straight ahead and smile, be happy, you know. Just because people call themselves a Christian group or a Christian band doesn't mean that what they're singing is the word. Or that it has any faith in it or any life in it. In fact, there's a lot of songs in the hymnals that ought to be torn out and thrown away. They are against the word of God. They're contrary to what the Lord said. So you want to judge everything by the written word and by the Holy Spirit who's in you. Because if there's the Holy Spirit coming through somebody else, you'll recognize him. That's the same spirit that's in you if you're born again. Now keep reading. He said, to one is given the word of wisdom, another the word of knowledge, to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another divers kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these work that one and the self-same spirit dividing to every man severally or individually as he will. Who can have these manifestations again now? If he'd have said it one time, it'd have been true. But he repeats it. Why? Because he knew how people would be. People think, oh, that's just for the preachers. Oh, that's just for somebody that doesn't do anything but pray all day and all that. No, every man. Could you have one or more of these manifestations in your life? Could you? Should you? Do you want to? Are you hungry for it? You should be. We must be hungry for these things. And we're not only hungry for it to manifest in us. We'd be glad to see it manifest in our neighbor. We just want to see it happen. And the main thing is that the needs get met. 
And the things that God wants done, desires to be done, would be done, whether it's manifested through you or me or whoever, we should be hungry for it. He's writing to the whole church at Corinth, telling them to desire and covet earnestly these things as a family. Now we've looked at, uh, I'll repeat it, Uh, we've said there are three groups of three that these manifestations, these nine logically fall into, three Manifestations that speak or say something, three manifestations that reveal something, three manifestations that do something. And uh, you could call them utterance manifestations, revelation manifestations or gifts, power manifestations. We've already talked some about tongues and interpretation of tongues, well, diverse kinds of tongues, and prophecy. All three of these say something, and the greatest of those is prophecy. We've already talked about now three of the revelation manifestations. We've talked about word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. And the greatest of those would be word of wisdom. But let's go on tonight to the power manifestations. Are you ready for that? Somebody say power. Power. Does God have power? Oh, does he? Does he have power? Go to uh, Acts the book of Acts, and of course we're camping out a lot these days in the book of Acts because that is one of the best places to look for these manifestations. And this is what our life and church and ministries should look like. If your ministry, your church, our ministry, our church, our life does not look and sound like this book, We need to pray and believe God and seek and get things changed until it does. Now the question is, will we settle for a mental, physical life? Many have. Many have. They've settled for so little. And many read the book of Acts like it's some amazing thing that happened and God just did a special thing, but now we've settled into normal Christian life, and this is how it is. And God had to do some special things in those days just to kind of kick it off and get the thing going. But now we've got the whole Bible and the canon of Scripture, and we know Jesus is Lord, and we don't need all that. Well, that's one of the biggest lies that anybody ever told, including people that told it over the pulpit. Hmm? No, we got the same Holy Spirit they had. We got the same name of Jesus. We're preaching the same gospel. Are supposed to be. We got the same great commission. We are a part of the same church. And the book of Acts is still being written. I don't know what chapter you and I are in right now. But I think if some folk could be reading it, they'd have fallen asleep several chapters ago. Because <laughs> the first part was pretty exciting. But some parts of it have been pretty dull. Reading. Chapter 3 million of Acts or whatever it is. Well, we can't do anything about other people's chapters. But we are in our time right now. This is our time. This is our moment. I don't think we realize what that means. Hmm? You and I are going to be out of here. In just a few blinks of an eye. 
Just a few breaths and we're out of here. Our time here is so brief. And it's not just about going to work and coming home and washing clothes and ironing them and cutting the grass and making sure the meals are done. So these things are necessary. But friends, let's get our eyes up off of that because that's not going to continue forever. In a few more days, you're going to be out of here. And you're not going to be doing any of that anymore. Do not just bump along day to day like this is going to continue as it is forever. It's not. It's not going to continue much longer. Even if the Lord tears is coming, it won't be much longer for you Amen. or for me. People say, oh, I don't like to think about that, Brother Keith. I don't. You need to think about it. You need to live. Every one of us need to live ready to go. Every one of us. Nobody in here is guaranteed, you know, uh, what you're going to see, you know, beyond this. Every one of us need to be ready to go right now. But then we need to live every day. So we have no regrets tomorrow. And so we have no regrets millennia from now. This is our time. This is opportunity. Right? To do what? To believe God. To preach the gospel. To be used of God to advance the kingdom in the earth. Friend, this is important. This is big stuff. Not too many on the planet see it and realize it. But God's graced us to. Grace us to be, the Lord said this to me some years ago, years ago, I wrote it down. He said, uh, most of the people on the planet are either dead or asleep. That's a fact. Now he's talking about spiritually, isn't he? Most of the people on the planet are either dead. What does it mean to be spiritually dead? You're not born again. Your spirit's not alive to God. So then you're clueless, right? About what's even going on in the earth. That's why you got so many folk running around. They're like, why are we here? Well, read the book. (laughs) What's life about? What's the meaning of life? What's the true meaning of life? Why are we here? People roll their eyes and act like it's some huge question that could never be answered. It's answered right here in the Bible. Simple. Easy. Why are you here? All things were made for his pleasure. And created for His will. We're made to do the will of God. We are made to fulfill His plan in the earth. We are made to please Him. And if you're not doing that, you can't be happy. No way, no how. No matter how much money you got, how many magazines your picture's on the front of, how many people go to see you in the movies, or it makes no difference. If you're not serving Him, you can't be happy. Can't be fulfilled. And it's sad that people waste most of their life, you know, without finding out. No, thank God our little ones are learning. Thank God our little ones and our teenagers are learning. They don't have to waste a bunch of their life. They can serve God all their life. They can make good use of their life. We cannot do what we're put on the earth to do in our own strength. Just by our physical brawn or by our mental ability and effort. It's not enough. We can't do it in our own strength. That's why he told them. Even after he's been raised from the dead and they saw him and they ate with him and they touched him. And he he said, tarry in the city 
of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He said, he told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I suspect they were getting ready to do that. He said, but before you do, <laughs> you wait right here until the promise of the Father is fulfilled. And how many know on the day of Pentecost, they were all there in one place in one accord. And there came a sound from heaven like as a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues. Hallelujah. Why? 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 He said, you shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost has come on you and you'll be witnesses. Who would be? Every one of them. Do you need power, supernatural Holy Ghost God power to be a real witness? Yes, you do. Just you trying to be a good person, I'm sorry, is not enough. You need power in your life. And that's what every one of these are. Manifestations of power. Even the other ones. How many understand it's the power of God that gives you utterance? It's the power of God that gives you revelation. It's the power of God. Look in Acts 4. How many believe this is the Lord? I know it is. I know it is. It's the Lord. And the thing I'm excited about is seeing the fruit of this. Hmm? We're sowing seed, the seed of the word, right? Are you good ground? The answer is yes. Yes. So what's happening? Good seed, perfect seed is being sown into good ground. What's happening? It's germinating in your heart. It's putting roots down. It's already growing in you. It's in you and it's growing in you. And eventually it's going to reach out up above the ground. Branches out here where you can see it. Fruit, where you, what, what is the fruit of the Word of God about the gifts of the Spirit? Manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit in our lives. I know the Lord wouldn't lead us to teach on it, minister on it, unless that's what He had in mind. Unless that's what He planned to do. It's already happening, and it will happen in an increasing way. We've already received a word from the Lord about it. Acts 4, are you there? Acts 4 and uh, 29. They came together and prayed as a company of believers, as a church family. And they said, now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of your holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. Somebody say power. power. Why would the place shake? You say, well, they must have had an earthquake. Well, I imagine the earthquake, but it wasn't the kind of earthquake you were thinking about. You remember that earthquake? It happened when Peter was in jail. Special earthquake because the jail didn't collapse 
Everybody shook, but the only thing that happened was the handcuffs all fell off. Now, that's a very specific earthquake. It's a very special earthquake. (laughs) No, it's a manifestation of the power of God. Oh, and come on, how many believe if he could shake a place then, he can shake a place now. So I said, yeah, but maybe he don't want to now. I can't agree with that. He does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he wanted it that way then, he either wants it that way now or he's changed. He doesn't change. People have changed. He hasn't changed. What's his will for the church? You're reading it. We're reading it. Somebody say, the Bible. The Word of God is the will of God for all men, for all generations. This is the will of God. What did they pray for? What did they ask for? Grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness. Is that a key? Hmm? Why not just skip and ask for the power? Word always comes first. And we must remember that in time to come. No matter how mightily God moves in us, we're not to get so infatuated with the supernatural and spectacular that we don't give the word proper place. We wouldn't even know about this if it wasn't for the word. We wouldn't be saved if it wasn't for the word. And if we get more infatuated with the spectacular supernatural than the word, we'll wind up in error. Can't help it. You'll get off. Only thing that's going to keep you straight is the word. And a lot of things that are supernatural are not God. There are things, they're real. They're even spectacular. They are supernatural. They're spiritual. But they're not God. A lot of them are religious. They're religious. But they're not God. Somebody said, well, it's real. It doesn't make it God because it's real. Amen. <laughs> it's spiritual. doesn't make it God because it's spiritual. We are hungry for the gifts of the Spirit, not just any Spirit, His Spirit. How will we know it's His Spirit? His Spirit would never do anything contrary to His Word. Ever. So we got to keep the Word first. The first thing they said is grant that your servants would speak your Word with all boldness. Then they say, and Lord... Stretch forth your hand. What is the hand of God? That term is used interchangeably with the power of God and also the Spirit of God called the hand of the Lord. Talking about His power. Stretch forth your hand to do what? To heal and that signs and wonders may be done By the name of your holy child Jesus. This is one way to describe all three of the power manifestations. Gifts of healings. That would involve healing, wouldn't it? Signs and wonders. What about working of miracles? Hmm? And faith. These, uh, they didn't call them by name. Of course, you know, they didn't know. They didn't have the benefit of reading 1 Corinthians like we do. And the revelation that proceeded as the church grew and developed, all they knew is they had seen some power, and they wanted some more, right? 
They had seen some healings and some signs, and they said, this is it. This is it. Now, this is what we got to have, and this is what we got to stay with. God, help you preachers to keep preaching bold and give us some more of these power things. And God must have agreed because he's reached down and shook the place and said, yeah, boys, that's exactly right. Now, when God gets excited and starts shaking the building, you know you're praying right. You know you're on the right track. How many understanding can see just from this, the church has not been enthused enough about these, not excited, not hungry enough about these things. We should desire what God desires. We should hold as important what he says is important. And when he can confirm a prayer for power manifestations like this and to this degree by reaching down and shaking the building and immediately, I understand their prayer, grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness, instantly answered. They shook, he shook the house and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke the word of God with boldness. Right then. Right there. Hadn't got through praying yet. Oh, can you see this? Is God real or not? He's real. And when they stood up and started praying, they're not just talking into the air. He's listening. Isn't he? They said, Father, grant us to speak your word with all boldness. He said, I'll do it. And stretch forth your hand to heal. And let signs and wonders be done in the name of... How many understand? They were so in agreement with what he wanted... That he reached down and shook the place himself. And said, yeah. And speak boldly right now. How much then they are in line with God's desires. And what he holds is important. And this prayer was answered in the very next chapter. Chapter 5. You read about it. Chapter 5 and verse 11. Great fear came upon all the church that heard those things. By the hands of the apostles. Chapter 5 and verse 12. Were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Many. So God's will is to give us signs and wonders. And manifestations of power. Gifts of healings. Working the miracles. And faith, or as Amplified says, special faith. Let's talk about the first one tonight. Gifts of healings. Now the reason I say it that way is because if you look in the original languages, you'll find, and scholars tell us, that everywhere it appears it should be plural. Both should be plural. Gifts and healings. Say it out loud. Gifts of Healings. Do we desire this? Are we hungry for it? What do we know about it? (laughs) Precious little. Well, let's begin to get into that tonight. Uh, Go with me to the 8th chapter of Acts, just a page or two over. And let's look at a couple of instances of this. What is a gift of healing? Well, this should be obvious to us. It's very specific. It's a gift. And it's a gift of what? Of healing. Very specific. Now the word gift, all of these are gifts. And really, anybody that received healing from the Lord in one sense 
It's a gift. But why would he use the word? It's a gift in another sense. All healing comes from the Lord. All healing. You know, man cannot heal. Thank God for doctors. A lot of folks wouldn't be here tonight in this room. If it wasn't for the ministry of doctors and nurses. Thank God. But doctors and nurses are not gifts of healings in this sense. These are supernatural manifestations of power. And a surgeon can operate on you, take something out, and sew you back up, but that didn't heal you. People can prescribe medications, but that didn't heal you. It might have assisted your body with some nutrients that could have helped your body. Somebody said, well, the body heals itself. Well, yes and no. God's the one that put that healing in there. He's the one that created it. And here's the thing, where that healing came from that you were created with, there's a lot more available. And he can give you some more as a gift. As we read these cases, you'll see more and more what we're talking about. In fact, hold your place in Acts 8. Go to 28, Acts 28, and we'll read that first and then come back. I think you'll, if we'll do it that way, it'll bring something else out. Acts 28, and then we'll come back, I think, to Acts 8. Sit out loud, Lord. Give us more understanding of these things. More revelation. But particularly, just more manifestations. How many just be glad we can figure them out while they're going on? <laughs> How'd that work? I don't know, but I'm sure glad it worked. Right? I'd much rather that than think you knew all about it and it's not happening. What good does that do? Acts 28. This is when Paul and company are shipwrecked on the island of Malita. And this is after he's snake bit, but it didn't hurt him. He shook it off. Verse 7. Well, when that happened, a lot of the folks native to the island gained a lot of respect for Paul. At first, when he got bit, they thought, ah, he's a bad man. I mean, he got out of the shipwreck, but the snake got him. He must be a bad man. Because everybody you on that island, that snake bites you, you're a dead man. In just a few minutes, you swell up, you fall over, you die. Everybody knows that, but he didn't. He didn't. He just shook the snake off in the fire, praised God, went on what he was doing, and they kept watching him, watching him, watching him, watching him. No swelling, no choking, no falling over. And they changed their mind and said, you know, he could be a god. That's a big difference between low down, dirty rascal should die and he could be, and that's how people are. They're, they're fickle. But anyway, they changed their minds and verse seven, in the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island. This is the head guy on the island. His name was Publius. He received us and lodged us three days courteously. This, a snake bite deal make a big impression on everybody. And Publius invited him to his house. And uh, it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, dysentery, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him 
and healed him. Now, every one of these words is important, isn't it? Paul entered into the man, laid hands on the man, and healed him. The subject is Paul. Paul healed the man. Now, that don't sound right to us. And we think, no, no, God healed the man. Well, I reckon he could have said it that way if he'd wanted to. But the reason he said it this way is because it's significant. This is a manifestation of a gift of healing. Right here. Supernatural. Holy Ghost. Read the next phrase. So when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and Paul healed them too. It's not what it said. What did it say? They were healed. Big difference. What's the difference? Huge difference. By Jesus' stripes, you were healed. He took your infirmities. He bore your sicknesses. He carried your pain. The two main ways a person can be healed through the power of God. They have to understand this in the context I'm saying it. One is, you, by your faith, can receive healing. But there's also another area, and that is you can have healing ministered to you through another. God anoints people and gives anointings. And gifts of healings. With Publius's father, nothing is said about Paul preaching to the man. Nothing is said about him hearing the teaching and believing anything. Did you notice? Nothing said about his faith. There's no mention of it. And when it says Paul entered in, put his hands on him and healed him. Well, Paul's not the healer. But he must have ministered something to him. Didn't he? And then when other people heard about the healing of this man they knew was in a terrible condition. They came. But a different phrase is used now. It says they were what? They were healed. What do you think happened when God moved in a special way. And this word went all through this little island. And everybody heard about this. And a crowd of folk gathered outside of Publius's house. What do you think happened then? Hmm? Can a rooster crow? Can a fish swim? Well then what's a preacher going to do? <laughs> There's a crowd outside the house. Wanting to know about this healing. Paul Preach to them Jesus. Well now faith can come by what you hear. And we know from other places like Acts 14. We know exactly what Paul did. He probably did the same thing he did there. Acts 14. He was preaching the gospel the Bible said. And he perceived a man had faith to be healed. Who? That was hearing what he was saying. And he called on him, stand up on your feet. Well, if you read a lot of Bibles, it'll say Acts 14, it'll have a caption, Paul healeth the cripple. That's wrong in every regard. If you wanted to put that caption somewhere, it should have been put here. Acts 28. Because the man in Acts 14 was healed through his own faith. From what he heard preached. He believed he received. Now, why does it feel a little bit tenuous right now? 
Because we are so ignorant of these things. And we're the tongue talkers. (laughs) What about the rest of the church? Even folk who know something about these things, the ones who know the most among us, know so precious little. And it's because for generations it hasn't been preached. Hasn't been prayed for, expected, or believed. How many think it's high time it changed? And it's high time the church started looking and sounding again like the book of Acts. Gifts, somebody say gifts of healings. If all healing is a gift in one sense, why would you need to use the word gift? How many remember this phrase? We'll be talking about this when we talk about working the miracles. It said God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul and described what happened. Somebody say special. Special. Can God do special things? Yes, Yes, he can. And he can you see that he wanted to get the gospel all over this island? Hmm? How many understand the Lord's always interested in people that don't know him so that they can hear the good news, so that they can believe? What is the quickest and most effective way to draw the people in? (laughs) Have a miracle. Have a healing. That's the way Jesus did it. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's the way they saw it in the book of Acts. And we have not changed so that we got a better method today. This is still the most powerful evangelistic tool available to the church. It is the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of healings. Working on miracles. Special faith. When these things are manifested, it can shake whole towns. It can shake whole counties, whole areas. And the people will come. Why? Because people, listen friends, people are so hungry for the reality of God. They've heard theory. They've heard talking and opinion and everything else. But if they could just see something that was real. Hmm? If they could see some reality of God, they'll come running from every quarter. Isn't that what happened with Jesus? People would get healed, they'd get delivered, miracles would happen, and then the Bible said they brought them from every quarter. Is that right? People came until the crowds were so big, nobody could get in a building. Is that right? They were all over the hillside. There were thousands. Why did they come? Not because they heard Jesus was such an amazing speaker. Huh? No. Why'd they come? Because of the miracles. That's not my words. That's the Bible. The Bible said because of the miracles that they saw and heard, that's why they came. Well, you and I and the church today is just as dependent on that as the master, as the first apostles in the church and evangelists and prophets and all the ministry gifts. So we need these. And we're hungering for them. And we're desiring them. Somebody say gifts. This was something, a manifestation of the Spirit. How many understand Paul has experience in the things of God? He knows faith comes by hearing. And yet nothing is said. For all we know, the man was delirious. Couldn't hear. He's in a bad state. For all we know, he was unconscious. And yet something happened. Well, you know, Paul's a praying man, and we know from the scripture he spoke in tongues more than the whole Corinthian bunch put together. 
So he's a tongue-talking, praying, spirit-filled man. And something happened. God dropped this in him, and he had confidence to just go in there, even if that man was unconscious, whether he believed anything, whether he didn't. And laid his hands on him and ministered that healing to him. And he came up off the bed wondering what was going on. Somebody said, well, why don't we just do that for everybody? He didn't do it for everybody. Jesus didn't do that. Now, he did it more than other folks, but in his own hometown because they wouldn't believe. But then you see what happened. This was a gift of a healing. It was a sign to the island. Is that right? It was something that broke through that caused the rest of them to come. They could all hear the gospel and they could get faith from what they heard and they got healed too. But they received their healing. Paul didn't minister that to them like that. They received it and they were healed. Oh, can you see this? Go back to the eighth chapter, please. Somebody say gifts of healings. Eighth chapter, please. Do we desire these things? We're hungry for them, aren't we? Yes, we are. We see in the ministry of Philip, who's called an evangelist. Now keep that in mind. Acts 8, 5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. What did he do? What did he do first? Preach the word. Preach Christ. What always comes first? The word. Always first. And he said, the people, the scripture said, the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So we don't think we like that language. That don't sound right to us. But it is right. He's not the source. He's not the healer. But this is something God did through him. And there's some things he's doing. He's ministering by the gifts of the Spirit. Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Now are you noticing the language? The Bible said Paul went in, laid hands on him and healed him. Here it says he did these things. What did he do? It says, unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Glory to God. And you know, you read the rest of the chapter, talked about them believing the gospel and being baptized, and then other folk coming down and praying for them, they got filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Wonderful things are happening here. Notice this, though. In that uh, seventh verse again, the last part of it, many, not everybody, but many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. Well, now, what about blind folks? What about deaf people? Are y'all with me? What about cancer? What about why just this? And how many understand there's an association between paralysis and lameness? We're really kind of talking about the same area. Why would it say it like this? Gifts, plural, of what? Healings, 
plural. God can anoint individuals to minister specially in certain areas. I've seen it in some small experience with people that I know and know about. They have a lot more results in one area of healing than they do another. And some folk in earlier times of the church knew this in the so-called healing revival some years ago. There were individuals, there was the husband and wife team I'm thinking about right now. And uh, the one individual, he prayed for people that were deaf. And somebody came for another area and he said, well, get my wife to pray for you. He said, God uses her in that area. Now that sounds strange to us, doesn't it? It's because we're ignorant of these things. Anybody can with their faith receive a healing. Right? It's bought and paid for by Jesus. You wouldn't have to get anybody to lay hands on you. Wouldn't have to get anybody to pray for you. And yet still it's right laying on of hands for healing. And prayer and prayer of agreement. Well, what? why? Which one's right? They're all right. Can you see the great heart of God? He so desires all of us to have our needs met that he moves in a variety of ways. This might not get through to this person, but they could receive it like this. They might not get it like that, but they could receive it like this. Oh, the compassion, the goodness, the mercy of God. And he does special things. Now, you'll really see this strongly in the area of evangelism. Philip is an evangelist. He's called that in the scripture. In fact, go back to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. Notice something else. He had mentioned in verse uh, 9, 1 Corinthians 12, 9, the gifts of healing, or healings as the original talks about, by the same Spirit. But skip down to the 27th verse, the end of the chapter. He says, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular, and God has set some in the church, first apostles, Secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings. Now, no, wait, wait, let's stop right here. It sounds like when he starts off, he's talking about ministry gifts. And then it sounds like in the middle of the verse, well, now we're talking about spiritual gifts. There are other lists, similar lists, but with different wordings. Of the gifts of ministry that God has given to men. You remember Ephesians. We'll put this up on the screen. Ephesians and the uh, fourth chapter. And the eleventh verse. Well Ephesians 4.8 says he gave gifts unto men. Somebody say gifts. And verse 11 says he gave some what? Apostles and some prophets. Now that sounds like what we just got through reading right? And the next one says and what? But you don't see evangelists in this list in 1 Corinthians 12. Where's the evangelist? Now back in 1 Corinthians 12, is he talking about, verse 28, is he talking about ministry gifts? Certainly an apostle is a ministry gift. Certainly a prophet is a ministry gift. Certainly a teacher is a ministry gift. Well, we know an evangelist is a ministry gift. Where's the evangelist in 1 Corinthians 12? Did he get left out? 
He's right here in miracles and gifts of healings. Are y'all with me? Why? Because this is the equipment it takes to be an evangelist. I got four nods and a huh. Why? Because the church has lost these things. The church has been ignorant. How many understand you will not find a better or more proper example of an evangelist in the scripture than if the Bible mentions one in Acts and says this is an evangelist? Then if you think you're an evangelist, what should you measure yourself by? This. Philip, the evangelist, he's called. Right? Started out as an usher. Right? Started out waiting tables. He was a waiter. Bringing the beans and the cornbread. And washing the plates. Is that right? That's where Philip started. You know it's true. How many understand to be uh, capable of a bigger charge, you got to be faithful in a smaller charge. If you're not faithful pushing the broom, you wouldn't be faithful with a strong anointing. Now, people like to think, oh, yeah, if you give me something big, I'll get serious with that. No, according to the Bible, you won't. If you're not faithful in the little thing, you wouldn't be faithful in the big thing. Jesus said it. So this man was faithful with the bowls and the cups and the cornbread. Right? And the next thing you know, he's full of power. He must have been praying in tongues while he's washing them cups. Right? He must have been believing God, praying in the Spirit while he's bringing the extra serving of beans. Next thing you know, he's preaching the gospel. And he's got miracles happening in his life. God has promoted him. Right? And he's using him in this office, this gift, ministry gift of an evangelist. And we see he went to the town. Jesus had not been preached there. And he preached the gospel. And God did things through him that people were amazed when they saw the miracles he did. Well, he couldn't do it in his own strength. How's he doing this? The gifts of the Spirit. We see miracles of people being delivered amazingly, powerfully, even instantaneously. And we see specific healings in limited areas. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody couldn't be healed, but God's doing some special things to get everybody's attention. And he's giving some special gifts of things. Uh, You know, it's kind of like a a free appetizer. (laughs) Huh? To let you know what's available. What's available to everybody by the claim of faith. Can you say amen? Why are there different gifts of healings? Well, there are different diseases. There are different problems. Look with me in the book of Matthew, the fourth chapter, and there will be further light on this. Matthew chapter 4. Said out loud while you're turning there, these things are happening more and more in our midst, in our lives, more and more. Matthew 4, Matthew 4, all the gifts of the Spirit, all nine of them manifested in Jesus' life and ministry except for different kinds of tongues and interpretation. That's distinctive of the era we live in since the day of Pentecost. But all the other seven of the nine you'll see in Jesus' ministry. 
And you'll see gifts of healings. You'll see working of miracles. In this fourth chapter and the 23rd verse, 423, Jesus went about all Galilee doing what? Teaching in the synagogues and what? Preaching the gospel of the kingdom and, and what? Now hold up. What came first? Have you seen a consistency with this? What comes first? The word. How does faith come? The word comes first. And that's another way of saying Jesus comes first. Because he is the word. He's the word made flesh. He went teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing. But notice how. Healing what? All manner of sickness and all manner of disease. What does that mean? Not just like Philip, lame and paralyzed, but lame, paralyzed, blind, dumb, deaf, maimed, every area. Now, with that in mind, go to John, the third chapter, John 3 and 34, and if y'all would put that up on the screen when you find it, John 3, 34. I mentioned one of those in Matthew, but you'll see them more than one place. For instance, in Luke 4.40, when the sun was setting, all that had any sick with divers diseases brought them, and he laid his hands on every one of them. Divers. You've read that before, right? Different kinds. Well, every word in the Bible is significant. John 3.34, can you see it now? It's up on the screen. He whom God has sent, this is talking about Jesus, Speaks the words of God, for God gives not the Spirit by measure to him. Listen to other translations. The uh, complete Jewish Bible says, God does not give him the Spirit in limited degree. In limited degree. What does that mean? Uh, Sometimes people will quote it and say he had the Spirit without measure. And that's what they're doing is changing the words of this. But it's similar meaning. What, what does that mean and why would you say that? Think about our text in 1 Corinthians 12. For to one is given. Remember that? This man to another. This to another. This. What about Jesus? <laughs> All. <laughs> All at the same time. He had all the gifts of healings. <laughs> and the work in the miracles, yes. and special faith, yes. Hmm? Yes. all of them. Yes. Now, in that respect, his ministry would be different from yours or mine as an individual. Yes. Right? You and I, didn't he say, he that believes on me, the works I do, he'll do also, and greater works than these. But you got to interpret one scripture in the light of another. Does that mean that me or you, John Brown or Susie Smith, by themselves is going to do all the works he did and greater works? No. No. In your area, you could be anointed like him. When he was in the earth, he was the body of Christ. Right? He was the head and the body. He's it. You want to see the body of Christ? You go see him. And I'm going to stand in the beginning. 
all of the ministry that was going on was coming through him, just him. Now, towards the end, he authorized the 12 and anointed them and then the 70, right? And then he told them all to wait till the Holy Ghost came on all of them. But how many know today he's the head in heaven at the right hand of the Father. All of us are the body. And when you put us all together, we should have everything, right? The fullness of the Spirit. But you can see his wisdom and his plan in some degree. He meant for me to appreciate you and realize I needed you and you to appreciate me and realize it's going to take all of us. To get this thing done. And I may be specially anointed over here. But I don't have it all. You might have a strong anointing in another area. But you don't have it the same as me. Right? We need all of us. We need all of us. And for to one is going to be given this. To another one is going to be given something else. But what has happened. The body of Christ has become so passive. And don't care about this and haven't desired it until very few have any of it manifested. And we're really living in a a spiritually low place in our generation. Thank God for what we're seeing. But how many know what I'm talking about? Millions of Christians live so much like their unsaved neighbors. I mean, they believe in the Lord. They believe they're saved But they don't see these things in the book of Acts that we're reading about in their churches and in their ministries and in their meetings and in their lives. Don't even think they're supposed to. They think it's okay not to see it, to live and die and not see it. I'm not willing. I'm not willing to live a life. Just a mental, physical life. We must have. We must have. The power of God. We must have the Spirit of God moving in our lives, our families, our churches, our meetings. We must have these things. We covet them earnestly. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Oh, lift up your hands for a minute. Just thank the Lord for hearing our hearts. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we glorify you. Lord, we magnify you. We're hungry, 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 hungry. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're going to be talking about these things later as we get into working the miracles. As we get into special faith, both of these, and you know, we're dividing these and talking about them one at a time, but they don't operate that way. A lot, one thing you'll see a lot of times is word of knowledge and gifts of healings working hand in hand. What do you mean? Well, this is one thing we do see some of, and that is, now there's people that just think up things off the top of their head and call stuff out. But there are people that really do get revelation of word of knowledge. There are people here with tumors in their body. And the Lord wants to heal you right now. I know there are people that, you know, fake that. But it doesn't do away with the real. 
And what that means is not just so much, so what about the rest of the people? Don't the Lord want to heal them? And they try to get in their head, and, it, and they say, well, in a crowd this size, you know there's somebody going to be here that's got a headache or a stomach ache, so that's pretty easy. They're not going to miss it on that. Well, you can mock if you want to. But there are specific things that God does in specific areas. So, so why would he do it? Well, why would he use Philip just in those areas? Lameness and paralysis. Why not everything else? Well, the Lord knows what he's doing. Doesn't he? And it doesn't mean healing's not for everybody else. It means God's moving in a special way. In a special way. And you'll see sometimes folks say, you know, there's some people here that's got specific problem and describe it. And it's not everybody in the building. It's a specific thing. But see, why would the Lord say that? Because with that is an anointing to heal that. Well, what is that? It's a gift. I said, it's a gift. Healing belongs to everybody. It's a gift. But here's something special going on. Right? Something special. God's moving in a special way. Here's a healing for you. And if you just halfway cooperate, you'll be healed. You'll be healed. He's moving in a special way. And what is it? It is also a sign that he's here. He's real. He cares. And he can do it. He's got the power. He's God. No disease can stand in front of him. And how many know when the world really hears this and sees the reality of a good God that can do this, they'll want him. His goodness will draw them to him. And they'll repent and come a-running. We see whole, we'll see it later on, but whole cities turn to the Lord. When these things happened, multitudes, the Bible said, were added to the Lord, men and women, when these kind of things happen, and it'll be the same today. How many think, you know, if we're supposed to have been some other place in the world, God would have pulled us there, but he's got this bunch right here. How many believe that multitudes of people in this area could be drawn to the Lord through signs and wonders, through gifts of the Spirit? They could see the reality. Anybody that's open and honest could see, hey, that's something to that. That what's going on here, it, could it really be God? Is he really real? Is he really, does he really care about people? How many understand Jesus, of all the things he could have done when he came to the earth, spent a bunch of his time ministering to the sick? Didn't he? Why? That's who he is. It's one of the biggest problems on the planet. People's sickness and suffering and hurting. And if a God really is a good God, and he really cares, and he really is love, then he wants to do something about it. In fact, he already has. Right? He laid our sicknesses and diseases on Jesus, and in redemptive uh, work, is paid for and bought. But God knows people are bumping along. They hadn't been taught. They hadn't heard. They're confused. The devil's lying to people and deceiving them. So he keeps doing special things. (laughs) Special things. You know, it's kind of like uh, the troubling of the water, the pool of Bethesda. They had the, the first covenant people, the old covenant people, they had a covenant of healing with God, didn't they? He said, I'm the Lord that heals you. I forgive all your iniquities. I heal all your diseases. That's old covenant. But they had gotten away from God and people wasn't seeing it, wasn't experiencing it. Nobody was claiming their rights, their covenant rights. People weren't standing on it and claiming it. And so what'd God do? <laughs> he gets tired of nothing happening. <laughs> and he bumped one of his angels. He said, go down there. 
<laughs> and stir that pool up with some healing power. And the first one in gets healed. Why? Now, isn't that amazing? I mean, first one in, not the second one, not the third one in. I mean, if after a while, people knew what was going on. And I mean, when the... Uh, when the water moved, it sounded like snakes down the river in Arkansas. Bloop, 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 bloop. Turtles, whatever. Bloop, bloop. But only the first one. So, well, isn't that strange? I mean, you know, why wouldn't it be the Lord's will to heal all of them? It was his will to heal all of them. But he can't just heal everybody that needs healing and no faith in his word. He'd contradict himself. Well, somebody said, what gives him a right to do a special thing? I tell you one thing it does. People praying. People praying like these, Lord, stretch forth your hand and do some signs. Do some special thing. We, we know you've done it in redemption, but Lord, so many people don't know and they don't know you and they don't believe us. Do something special. Stir the water up. <laughs> do something special. Why? Because in hopes that when the special thing happens, other folk will come in and hear the word and believe and they all can receive the healing. They all can receive based on what's already been done in Jesus. Can you say amen? Do you believe this? Do we need this? Are you hungry for it? Stand on your feet. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let me lead you in a prayer. Say it out loud. Father God. I believe in you. I believe in Jesus. Head of the church. I believe in your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gifts, manifestations of the Spirit. And we pray like you directed in the beginning of the church. Oh Lord, grant that your servants may speak your word. With all boldness. And Lord. Stretch forth your hand. To heal. And to do signs. And wonders. Special things. In the name. And to the glory. Of our Lord Jesus. Oh hallelujah. Oh hallelujah. Ah, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Somebody say it's coming to pass. It's coming to pass in our time, in our midst. It's coming to pass. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you for giving and granting unto us manifestations of your spirit. We ask for them. And we thank you for hearing us, and we thank you for granting us our request, for we know it is your will. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.